Father, as we come into this season and we consider some of the great saints of old who went through many things that we also go through. And what we will see throughout this season is how you met with them. Lord, give us open hearts and minds to hear, to learn, to receive, to be inspired by your word, that we might be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Please be seated. That's weird. I printed this slightly bigger than I normally do. It's right in between. My glasses, it's almost too big. I take them off and I can't see it. It's very odd. Um, October 24th, 2022. A man named Ned Brockman just finished a trek across Australia. 2,456 miles. He ran it. And he ran it in 47 days. Now, just do a little math like we were doing earlier for our rehearsal. Um, He was doing more than a marathon every day, 47 days straight. Could you imagine that? I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, my own commitments and... 47 days in a row, I barely eat and sleep 47 days in a row. Now that I've moved to the Quad Cities, we're getting to the point where I will definitely start complaining about snow being on the ground 47 days. But outside of that, that kind of commitment. And just to think of the toll that it took, here's some things that were described. Um, During the first three weeks... He slept two hours a night. He said every joint ached. He had more blisters than he'd ever had in his life. He even found maggots growing on his toes. Twelve days in, the inflammation was so bad around a tendon in his shin, he had to stop running. They drove him 14 hours to a hospital got an MRI, got three injections to dull the pain. They drove him back to the same spot, and he took off running. He had to consume between eight and 10,000 calories a day. Let me describe his meal. He had oats in the morning with banana and coffee, then bacon and egg rolls, two of them, apple turnovers, pancakes, donuts, ham and cheese croissants, chicken wraps, chicken wraps ham and cheese toasties. He said, you name it, I was eating it. Talk about commitment. Now, we are all committed to things. We're all dedicated to things in our lives. And as we consider throughout this sermon series in Advent, meeting with God, this morning the main theme is commitment. And I want you to think about family, job, hobby. We're all committed to things. Maybe not quite what Ned's commitment was, but we're all there. What we're going to see this morning is how committed Zechariah is. And two things in particular. 
Open up your Bible to Luke chapter 1. It's on page 1456 in the Pew Bible. Two things that we see Zechariah just uncompromisingly committed to. Luke chapter 1, page 1456. Here's the first. He was uncompromisingly committed to doing what was right despite what it costed. He was uncompromisingly committed to doing what was right despite what it cost him. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, um, Luke likes to set the history. Um, Luke is known in our tradition as a historian. And so he's setting this time frame for us. There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. We're getting his background. Um, There were 24 divisions of priests. He was in one of those divisions. Approximately, according to Josephus, there were 18,000 priests during this time. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them have a good pedigree. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. We do not have to ask the question, did Zechariah do what was right? Luke tells us, in the eyes of God, they were doing what was right. But here's the issue, and we're going to see what it cost. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, here's some background for you. During the time, and in rabbinic Judaism, It was taught that if your wife could not give you a child within 10 years, you should divorce her. You need to have a child. You need to have an heir. And that is what would have been expected here. It would have been expected by both the culture, the leaders, his fellow priests, that he would have divorced her. And as a woman, if you could not have a child, Elizabeth will actually say at the end of this, My disgrace has been removed. She would have been in disgrace because she couldn't have a child. The thing that should have happened 10 years in or so, they should have divorced. Elizabeth actually could have remarried and so could have Zechariah to try and have a child. Holding on to what they did meant this. They both lived in disgrace for decades. They would have been the people in the village that were talked about in whispered tones. Some of the other priests who would have been wondering and judging Zechariah for what he's doing. What's wrong with him? They would have lived through disgrace decade after decade after decade. And yet, they do what God wanted them to do. Stay together. Despite what the culture would have allowed, despite what the rabbis would have allowed, they stay together. They do what is right, no matter what it costs. Let me ask you, how willing are you to do what is right? So here's some possibilities. 
I'm willing to do what is right as long as it doesn't push me too much, as long as it's not too difficult, as long as it won't hurt my reputation, as long as it's not too challenging in my life. Or I'm willing to do what is right, but... So here's something I could easily have seen Elizabeth or Zachariah doing. I am also going to talk about the people who are talking badly about me because I don't deserve this. We can be very good at justifying not doing the right thing because somebody else is doing something wrong to me. Or, lastly, and and this one I think is just, I think this is worldwide. I don't think it just applies to Christians. I think it applies to everybody. It's really easy to talk about what is right, but then do something different. It's very easy to talk about forgiveness or patience or loving our neighbor, but then mm, my neighbor's stereo is always being played too darn loud. I don't need to love him. Um, It's really easy to state something and not do it. Zachariah and Elizabeth, the cost of disgrace did not make them turn away. Whatever it is people might have been doing to them did not let them justify themselves to not do what's right. And they believed something. They believed in the Lord's decrees. And they did them. They didn't just talk about them. They did them, no matter the cost. Will you commit to doing what is right? Whatever it might cost. Will you commit to doing what you say is right? No matter what it might cost. In 2015, I came across an article, a company called REI, it's Recreational Equipment, Inc. Um, It is a co-op, it's a group of, it has 23 million members and 16,000 employees. And what I found in 2015 is they were doing something kind of crazy. You see, their message is that the outdoors matters. That people being out matters. And they preach this. And they support organizations that do it. They really want people to be outdoors. So in 2015, on Black Friday, the biggest shopping day in the year, they closed their doors, paid their employees, all of them, and said, we want you to go outdoors. Because we believe in this. And our actions are going to show you this matters to us. And we want you to encourage other people. Go out. Be outdoors. Well, I bring it up because I was looking them up again. I remembered that. And now it is 2023. They are still doing it. They've done it every year since 2015. Black Friday. Pay all of our employees Give them the day off. Close our doors. We're not selling things. And get outside. Will you be committed to doing what is right, even if it costs something? That's number one. He's committed to that. Number two, he is uncompromisingly committed to seeking God. Even when God is silent and, listen closely, Zechariah has doubts. He is still uncompromisingly committed to seeking God. Verse 8. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. 
So twice a year for one week, each division got to serve in the temple. So this is one of his weeks. And then he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. Um, He's being chosen, and in the Old Testament, when they use lots, that is the way of seeing God's will. So don't read this as just some random thing like they're at a casino and they're drawing lots. This is God choosing which priest within the division would get the special privilege of officiating, going inside the temple. Not every priest even got to do this. There were too many priests and not enough opportunities. Zechariah is getting this moment. This is like the highlights of his priesthood. He's been chosen by God to come in, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. They're all outside, and you know what they're praying for? The Lord to come back. They are praying for Yahweh to rescue them. They're praying for redemption. They're praying to the Romans to be kicked out. They're praying to be reestablished for Messiah to come. They're all praying that. Zechariah is praying that too, but he's also praying something else. Do you know what that other prayer is? To have a child. And we know that because when the angel comes to him in a moment, he's going to say, your prayer has been answered, Zechariah. Keep going. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Very normal response. When angels show up, they are not little flying cute babies. They are an overwhelming presence that the people who see them experience dread. Not like a horror film, but like an overwhelming awe of this majestic heavenly being. And the angels always have to say, do not be afraid. And so that's what he says to Zechariah. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Now remember, he's praying for more than one thing. But the angel goes on to say, um, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Both prayers are being answered at the same time. You're going to have a child and Messiah is coming. Your child will introduce Messiah. That's what he'll say as he goes on. I'm answering both of them right now. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And we're going to see that on week three that he's filled with the Spirit. He will bring bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And in case Zechariah has any doubts, he's describing what they would have known comes out of Malachi, the final prophet of the Old Testament, That the people, someone would come to prepare the hearts of the people, to turn them back to God as Messiah would come. I mean, this is an incredible announcement at an incredible moment in the life of Zechariah. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. He doesn't quite believe it. Even though he's praying for it, He doesn't quite believe God can do it. Somewhere along the way, year after year, decade after decade, his body keeps getting older 
God is not responding. He's not getting a child. And Zechariah begins to doubt. The silence of God brings about doubt in Zechariah. Now, without raising your hands, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been in a situation where you are praying and you are seeking God and he is just seeming to do nothing? Or maybe even the opposite seems to be happening and bad things keep happening. And it raises doubt in your mind. That's what happens to him. He is doubting the very thing he's praying for. But here's the key. He is still seeking God. He's still serving as a priest. He's still going through with his duty. He's still asking God to give this child. There is this uncompromising commitment to seek God even when he has doubt. Even when he's not sure it can happen. Even when God is not responding despite the fact that Zechariah and Elizabeth, they are living righteous lives. I mean, of all people who should be blessed with a child, you've got to imagine that at some point, Zechariah was looking over at one of his fellow priests, and he's going, this guy gambles on the side. I know that. And yet he has three children. Well, we're doing everything right, and you still haven't blessed us. And now it's past time. It's not even going to happen. An uncompromising commitment to seek God, even when there's doubt. Now, I think there's two things that are significant to that. Number one, instead of the doubt and the silence producing bitterness in Zechariah, he instead channeled his energy to continue seeking God. Again, don't raise your hands. But is the lack of God answering your prayer, getting you out of a situation, has it ever started to form bitterness in you? I think the reason you don't see it in Zechariah is because all of his energy is still focused on seeking God. Even when he doesn't know that God can answer this prayer, he still says, God, I'm still coming to you. I'm not going to give in to what's starting to happen in me. It reminds me of this. Um, I got Aaron some herbs for, I think, Mother's Day last year, or maybe it was her birthday. I'm not sure. They all kind of happen at the same time. There's too many holidays all crammed together. But some herbs, and they were out on our back porch. Guess what happened when summer hit? And it got really, really stinking hot. She had to water these things like twice a day. And you could tell when things got a little bit too much and, and water f- was forgotten because guess what they looked like? They all just start falling over, turning brown. I mean, it took no time at all. And then you get out there and you put the water in and guess what happens? They stand up again. It was an amazing thing and it did not take long. As long as the water kept coming, these things would not fall. Our water, our living water, is continuing to seek God. Continuing to believe even when we doubt. Not denying our doubt and pretending like it's not there. But continuing to say, God, I'm I'm still going to come to you. I'm still going to keep asking you. Even if I don't know if you could do this. It's the water that can help us get away from the bitterness. But a second thing happens. 
And this is the thing that I, I want you to hear this. After all of these decades, God meets with Zechariah. God answers the prayer. God shows up. God is there for his servants. Now, I want to make this really clear. God is under no obligation to do anything for us except what he says he will do. You can never think to yourself, as long as I pray enough, as long as I give enough, as long as I do good enough deeds, then God will have to do this. That kind of thinking will also lead to bitterness because you'll put expectations on God that he has not put on him. However, imagine if Zechariah had given up. He would not be in this position where God shows up in his life. Part of our uncompromising commitment to seeking God and him showing up is being present to him, being open to him, being in a place where we can say, God, I'm, I'm ready, over and over and over again, and knowing that all kinds of saints of old went through this. And God eventually showed up. Abraham, at least two decades between the promise and when God says, your uh, offspring will be numbered as the stars of the heavens. Two decades. Job. Job goes through this terrible, awful thing, and there's nothing from God, nothing from God, until you get to chapter 38. What's chapter 38 in your life? Might take a while to get there. And yet God shows up. Even Jesus, when he goes into the garden, and he comes before the Lord because things are getting so awful that he wants the Lord to take the cup from him. Do you know we have no response from the Father at that moment? And yet we do have throughout the Gospels a couple of times where God talks. Right there, what it looks like is God is just silent. And yet Jesus says, nevertheless, thy will be done. And then he goes through everything God wants him to go through, and then he is with the Father. Be present to God. Be there. Be available. He will show up in your life at some point. So I don't know if you ever lose things in your house, but when you have 14 children and like 16 animals, you lose a lot of stuff. You lose keys and books and shoes, socks, even kids sometimes. You're not sure where they are. And you just go looking for stuff. Last night, my son lost his AirPods. I mean, it's a little case this big. And it was one of the first times that I really regret that we have a two-story house with a basement, so it's really three stories. Because it was like, well, I think they're in your room. No, wait, maybe they're in the basement. No, wait, maybe they're in my room, which is on the top floor. No, wait, maybe they're in the basement. No, maybe they're in your room. It just all over the place trying to find these things. And we're doing what we always do. Think about the last time you had them. What were you doing? Where were you? What? And eventually, we found them. We found them in a place we'd already looked three times. <laughs> and when we located them, both of us just kind of cracked up because we had looked there three different times. But the reason we found them is because we were in the right place, seeking the right thing, or we would not have found them. I can tell you that the majority of the things we find when we lose them, we find them because we keep seeking them and we end up in the right spot where they are 
and then we find them. Even if it took three times of being in the same spot, um, we found them. Will you be constant, committed to seeking the Lord, to being open to him, even when it may take a while before God shows up? So, two things for Zechariah. He was uncompromisingly committed to doing what was right, no matter what it cost him. He was also uncompromisingly committed to seeking God. Even when God was silent, even when he had doubts, those things are things I think all of us can relate to. But in the end, God showed up. And I think that is the thing we all want. God to show up in our lives, to be present with us. So will we commit to doing his will and seeking him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, where we can draw encouragement, where we can see the ways in which you worked and your people sought you. Lord, help us to be like Zechariah, like Elizabeth, to be committed to doing what is right and to seeking you every day of our lives, starting today. In Jesus' holy name, amen.